So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance UK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 6, Episode 5 of Book 1 in 90 Days. In this episode, Christian's family makes him lose confidence in making things work with Cleo, David gets Sheila's help in eating and relieving himself, Violet leaves work early to hang out with Riley, Tyree is inviting more convoluted explanations about Carmella, Gino and Jasmine try to make figure out how to make this prenup thing work out. Misha tries to get Nicola to understand why things should matter to him. And Rodson's crying really puts things in perspective for Amanda. As always, what with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm not... Not, not too bad. It's getting to be the, the part of summer, at least in this part of my country, that's just unbearably hot. And so, like, the past few days, I was uh-huh. like, I feel like I'm bored. I should go for a run and then step outside to run. And I'm like, I am not running very far. This is awful. I hate this. Um, so that's what, right. that's what we're at. Very fun. Just heat and humidity all the time. Just overbearing oppressive. How about you? I'm sure it's not uh, as hot. I'm in Canada and it is cold. <laughs> I'm currently wearing a puffer jacket and uh, sweatpants. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm still could be a little warmer, but, you know. So, we're experiencing very <laughs> yeah. different summers right now. Very different summers. All right. And speaking of people experiencing things very different ways, let's start with I'm going to start with the um I put quotes around this one, the couple that was probably in this one the least, and we're still dealing with Ty Ray. So oh, we see Ty Ray and his sister Lashanti. They're shopping at a farmer's market, and it looks like he says it's about two weeks ago since he heard about Carmela's true identity. But the more he thinks about it, the more he thinks everything just must be a, must be a misunderstanding. So he's still not ta- – he hasn't been talking to her and he's suffering from some message withdrawal. He's like, I, usually I spent all day messaging. I don't know what to do with myself. So he's been sending snaps um, thinking that it's actually her getting the messages, I guess. She, he doesn't think Christian's real. But they he, – and he wow. can say that these are read but not responded to. So his theory is that maybe like, – he literally says this out loud. Maybe when he was messaging her, she was in prison. Like, and now, because you know, people in prison message a lot. So now that she's out of prison, maybe like her husband found the things and that's who Christian was and he ended things. That's the theory. (laughs) That is the weirdest, most outlandish theory. I mean, why? Well, (laughs) most of his theories revolve around this Christian dude is somebody who didn't like that she was messaging somebody. And so they. This Christian dude got in touch with the producers and said the whole thing was fake. Stop talking. Stop texting me. Stop texting me. Right. And he's coming up with more and more. It's here's the thing. It's not the most contrived theory he came up with. So keep listening. So (laughs) anyway, so Lashanti calls him delusional and is, you know, says it's hard for her to watch him hold on to hope like this. So she seems to think it's a good time to tell him something that she found out a little while ago, but has been holding on to like basically not to hurt his feelings. But now's the time. She sits him down and says she's done some research with the pictures, you know, that reverse image shirts didn't pop up with. And that's because you kind of didn't needed to go on the dark web to find where these pictures came from because she did find the pictures somewhere. Oh, God, no. It was on the page for wow. an escort service. 
So the pictures, the pictures of the escort were, and this is where it says like she's been working are like in Bakersfield and Stockton and like near ish by in California. Right. Definitely not Barbados. So his reaction to this is weird. So anyway, she has a phone number for the page and he walks away before she can call it. She's like, well, let's call this escort and see what's up. So he's very confused. So he seems to think that now, like, I don't know, when, when I heard this, when I heard the escort, I was like, oh, this Christian person just stole these escorts pictures and and sent them to you. That was my theory, right? That is a reasonable conclusion based on the evidence provided. <laughs> well, he seems to think that he was actually talking to this escort, right? Like this escort is the person uh-huh. he's been communicating with and he doesn't understand why she was lying and saying she was in Barbados when she really she was in Stockton. Like, oh my gosh. so he says he, he, doesn't, want delusional. To, he, says he doesn't want to judge, but how is his mom? You got to tell his mom he's been seeing an escort, right? And now no. now he's got to deal with this Christian per- person. And this is where the other theory comes in. Maybe this Christian person is her pimp. Like that could be it, right? It's weird. I don't understand oh, where he's goodness. going, but he does decide that he wants to call this escort's number and he calls it, but he does it um, in like incognito mode. So it's his number's blocked. So he gets a default not available message. It's not even like her voicemail. It just says the number is the person you have dialed is not available. So he assumes that he just got ignored because, it, you know, it came from a blocked number, possible spam, whatever. So next up is a text. He sends a text that says he saw her ad and she looked familiar. So maybe we can have a chat. So then he Googled the phone number that was on the page and it comes up as being like on a different escort service site. This one in, he said, Palm Bay. And the only Palm Bay I could find was in Florida. So that one even has other numbers that are listed. So he has no idea how he's even going to connect to this person. It's like, so... I mean, you're right that this delusional thing, I mean, I I don't know that I could personally come up with a more delusional theory as to what's been going on here than I've been talking to this escort and the person who said it was her was her. I don't know. It's just it's just crazy. What do you think? Yeah, it's so crazy. And it's it's just also sad because he's really coming up with any kind of theory that would have him talking to this person in real life. Right. Yes. So like right. that particular person. And so it's just, okay, let's back up though. How is the sister finding this information out beforehand and just sitting on it because oh. she was just like, well, I didn't know how we react to that. Like, what yeah, is that, that one, that one, I, I was, I was, I was getting some fraud and vibes on that one that I was like, this is totally the production right. found this site. Right. And told the sister like, Hey, we yes. found this. Maybe you should show it to him. Yeah. That's all. That's that gotta be what happened. Right. Exactly. Because sister is pretty, has been pretty reasonable so far level headed. So if this were to happen in real life, like she would have gone to him immediately after finding that. But also, how is sister all like adept at being able to find something on the dark web? That's concerning all in itself. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm assuming it's dark web. I've never made any actual attempts to get to escort service sites. So I, I would assume you can't just Google like, what is the nearest escort? Because I would assume the police do the same thing like daily. And that's how they arrest the prostitutes. Oh, but um, 
So I'm not sure. I assume it's some sort of dark web thing, but that the sister's able to get to. It just, I mean, it, it did kind of scan as making sense to me if they only kind of talk when production's around and we pretty much see most of their conversations. Right. Because if she's like, oh, after the last sure. time he thought we talked, he seemed pretty convinced that this was fake and he was going to drop it. And then you talk to him again and he's like, well, you know, the more I think about it and you're like, nope, I need to show you this. Like, like, like it's one thing to be like, yeah, it's bad enough that he feels like he was talking to a catfish. And then, you know, it's also like, and you're talking to a, a prostitute catfish. Cause I mean, he was not like super open to it. Like he seemed pretty disturbed by the fact that it might've been a prostitute that he was talking to. Right. And so he's not the kind of person, yeah. you know, we've certainly seen our share of people that would be like, what's the problem with that? Girl's got to make a living. Like what? I don't, I don't, I don't see well, what the yes. issue is here. Right. And I think to put it in context, he seemed less disturbed that it was a man. Yes. Than a prostitute. It, it, right. Actually kind of. Yes. Uh huh. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, like he, oh, the, it could be a man. Well, that's that's all right. Like, you know, we had a connection. Whereas, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the exact same person you've been talking to. She's just a prostitute on top of that. All of a sudden, like, nope, I'm out. I can't talk to my mom. How am I supposed to tell my mom that? Like, yeah, it was it was right. it was not exactly the, you know, sex work is work progressive agenda that people tend to have these days. But like. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it It's just getting to the point. I mean, it's. When I watch this, it definitely is like, this cannot be real. This guy cannot honestly be still into this and think this is real. This, like, I feel, I just keep feeling like he has to be putting this on for production so that he gets to stay on the show for a few more episodes, right? Like, it's, it's. Oh, absolutely. Like, you do, are not that delusional, especially someone who I would think would have cultivated some kind of healthy skepticism being the super fan of cat fish as he claimed to be well he said he watched the show at least but yes uh-huh okay right how do you go from that to like coming up with these very insane delusional like theories on how this person could still be the same person it just it, that doesn't make sense i feel like it, it is a put on i also think it's also a little weird because he talks about how low his self-esteem generally is right and generally mm. when you have a low self-esteem like that you tend to be super skeptical, like, nope, too hot, can't be right. This person would never talk to me. Not not a right. chance. Like, done. Right. Almost a little pessimistic as well. Right. Exactly. To the point of pessimism. Exactly. All right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's go to more other pessimistic people. Um, let's actually talk about oh, – um, Let's talk about Riley and Violet. So – Riley is still upset that Violet had plans on his like first whole day in Vietnam, kind of left him high and dry. So producers are trying to talk to him about it as he's getting his in the bathroom, getting himself put together. Like he's escorting on cologne and really concentrating on getting his deodorant open. But that doesn't last, last <laughs> long before we see him fully dressed and he goes into his bedroom to FaceTime with his friend Tiffany. So he tells Tiffany that Violet is as beautiful as he had imagined, but <sighs> – He's upset about how things are going so far, namely that he's alone. So Tiffany doesn't understand. Well, why? How is her plan anything but you? When is she? When? When is she going to meet her family? When is he going to get to know everything that he wants to know? She says she, she thinks he should push the issue even a little more than he already is, and it's weird of her how she's putting him off to the side. 
So it seems like he's giving, getting even more suspicious that he's not the only man in Violet's life. That seems to be his main suspicion is that she's whatever she's doing with him, texting, messaging, getting money, she's doing to a bunch of dudes. So another red flag for him is how she didn't think much of the pearls. So that means before he gives her the other gifts that he brought, including the I guess it's a non-engagement it's a ring that he says isn't really an engagement ring, but it's she's like, it looks like a band. It was, I don't know what he's doing with this ring, but it was a ring and it was in like a box with its own LED that like shines down on it when you open it. So anyway, Tiffany thinks he needs to be very, very careful because he's putting all his eggs in this violet basket and she doesn't want his eggs to get scrambled. So, but then all of a sudden we kind of come out of nowhere and Violet's schedule is open now. She took the day off or something. I don't know, but it's open now and she can hang out today. So we're going to meet at the Independence Palace, which I guess was the president's house. And she says the president's house during the Vietnam War. Now they're in um, Saigon. So that means it was the South Vietnamese president and there are North Vietnamese flags or I guess just Vietnamese flags everywhere all over this place. It seems to be like uh, they use it as like a we won the war um, like museum more or less so anyway the point was it would definitely not be the first place i would take an american when they're visiting vietnam like hey remember that war you lost here's where we commemorate how we beat the shit out of you isn't this lovely like like, not that great um so riley seems pretty unfazed by that but is more concerned that it doesn't seem like violet prepared for him in his trip at all but Every time he tries to bring up concerns, she keeps like pointing and being like, oh, look, there's another tank. Did you see the tank? I'm trying to talk about the tanks, man. Look at the tank. It's very weird. (laughs) So he tries to get her to commit to being available for him the rest of the trip. And she tells us that, you know, she decided to leave Orcaroli and meet him because, you know, he made all this time for the trip, I guess. So soon enough, he is sweating just uncontrollably, which I can't blame him because it's Vietnam. But He's his shirt soaked. He just needs to get into air conditioning, but he can't walk too fast because he's got a bum knee from the military. So she didn't know about the bum knee. So she's like, well, why didn't you tell me that? It's all weird. So he seems to think now that things are going okay, but he, it's only a matter of time. He thinks before Violet throws him some other curveball. All right. So what is up with this? I mean, <sighs> Violet, I will give him this. Violet is extremely erratic in terms of how she's engaging with him. And um, I mean, I consider I think it's a pretty big red flag. Uh, Well, maybe she just honestly had doubts that he was even going to show up in the first place. Right. Mm, so but she didn't say I would that. really have to get. A, <laughs> yeah, I would have to get a better sense of like, um, you know, how important this job is. Oh, this clock. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, how important this job is to her. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, her whole work situation. Because we've certainly had people right. who couldn't take time off of work because they needed the money or they would have lost their job, you know, various other things. So if she, you know, wasn't really thinking that he would follow through and actually show up, Mm-hmm. then I could see how she isn't going to jeopardize her job situation. And then when he's actually there, then she's just like, oh, okay, well, let me see if I can at this point because it's kind of last minute. So I could kind of see that. But isn't this the couple too where he showed up the first time and she didn't meet up with him? 
Am I th- remembering that correctly? No, Tyre did that. Um, th- this is his first time in Vietnam. This is his first time coming. Okay. All right. So, but maybe she just didn't take it as seriously. And it's like, what do you say to the person when they show up? Oh, I didn't think you were serious. I didn't think you were actually going to show up. I don't know. Knowing Violet, she probably would have said that if that's what she was really yeah. thinking. But, she, she does seem to know. not think. I mean, it was just, it was just weird, like, because he mentioned it. And the thing that would have concerned me, and it comes up with other couples as well, is he was she was dodging his questions. Like, she would he would literally yeah. ask a pretty serious question. Like, why wouldn't you take the day off before before I got here? I thought that would be pretty important to you. And she's like. Look at those flowers. Aren't they pretty? Look at these pretty flowers we just came across. And yeah. like, that You didn't even like s- slightly avoid the question. You just pretend he didn't hear it. But I mean, I get it because I'm also, you know, we're, she works in education. She is, she is a teacher. And I do get that we have oh, okay. some certain days that are like, I really can't get off this day. If, if I try to take off this day, I'm going to get in bigger trouble. They're making me – I have to go to HR with a doctor's note if I want off the day of Friday before spring break or something like that. Like – that's what I right, kind of think I right. have. But sometimes a Friday before spring break is a half day and the and the principal just kind of winks, winks and is like, everybody's going to be working in their room, right? Wink, wink. And you're like, oh, OK, well, now I can meet up right. with you, <laughs> right? I didn't know if they were going to make me really actually stay yeah. all day. So I definitely know of those kind of days. And especially if it is, if they planned it before a break of hers or something and it was the last day he got there a little early, it just – it doesn't make sense that she would not explain that to him. and mention it before he got there that that it does seem suspicious yeah i kind of wonder if she's getting prompted by production to be like "Mm, be evasive be more be more flaky yeah yeah she's being yeah very very elusive about what's going on yeah i could also see like as a teacher like unofficially asking like you know a teacher friend at your school being like hey can you cover this so not being yeah. able to take the whole day off, but if you can mm-hmm. find someone else to kind of like under the table cover for you, I could kind of see that as being like a more of a last minute thing. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't do that ahead of time. And th- 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 I've definitely had days when I got off surprisingly earlier, was able to arrange something that I didn't think was going to was going to fall into place. But yeah, it just mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense that she wouldn't arrange that. Now, his friends are. Something else like he I don't know. He, he he definitely has similarly like minded friends, but they're all just like yeah. weird. Like he was kind of playing it cool. It was a first day. It's, it's a weird thing at first. Maybe there's a reasonable explanation for it. I'm not going to overreact. Right. And his friends are always like, you need to overreact, dude. Like, what are you doing? Like, you need to let her know what's going on. I was like, oh, my God, please don't listen to this advice. This is not going to get you. Not that you should roll over and just take whatever they give you, but like. Like, let's not just like you. Oh, man, you didn't fly off the handle. That was the wrong choice. You should have flown right off the handle immediately. As soon as she said anything to you, it's like maybe a bad choice. All right, move on. Let's go on to talked about avoiding situation, avoiding conversations. And that came up with Misha and Nicola. So we start off in the hotel room with Nicola trying to wake up Misha, who's, you know, was trying to sleep off. Um, it's a flight and everything. And he's, he waited as long as he could, which was seven 45. So late enough to be oh like, gosh, no. get up lazy, I guess. So the first challenge is before they leave for her to find something to wear. So producers were asked if anything happened last night. And she said, you know, nothing God wouldn't be proud of, but maybe a little bit of heavy petting. 
So Nicholas says, they ask him the same question. He says there was kissing and hugging, of course, but they're like, was there heavy petting? And he was like, what does that mean? I don't know what that is. <laughs> don't, don't, well, uh, maybe, I don't know. Pets? That was weird. So he didn't sleep well because he's not used to women being around when he's trying to sleep. And she's feeling a bit weird that she doesn't really know how to gauge a relationship outside of how much physical contact there is. Um, and she knows that that's not something that he's going to be doing right away. So she is wondering how they can bridge that gap. So they kind of troll her. I didn't even troll her that bad. They say she's like, I'm going to get ready. And then they says one hour later which is like not even that long to get ready if you have a shower and everything. So they're out in the town in Nazareth and they're seeing sites like the well that Mother Mary visited and the smoothie stand. Um, so they sit down with their <laughs> smoothies and she says she likes the town so far, but really the important thing she came to Israel to see was his family. So he's like, wait, why? It's not like you're marrying my mom. Why would you want to see my family? That doesn't matter. What are you talking about? Why is that important to you? So <laughs> – yeah, things kind of go off the rails there because he, she was like, well, what about your brothers? I could meet your brothers. And he was like, oh, they don't know about you. Like, you haven't been here. And she's like, well, why do your brothers not know about me? So it, it's an ongoing argument that kind of lasts the rest of the time where she's like, this is weird that you didn't tell anybody in your family about me. And he's like, they don't matter. That You're not marrying them. Weird. Dummy. Um, that so, is weird. Yeah. So Misha knows – um, Misha said she already knew about his hesitation with telling his mother because of her past uh, being divorced and everything. But this is the first she's heard that he's essentially been hiding her from his entire family. So, again, he just does not understand why she what she thinks the big deal is. It's not like the Bible says thou shalt tell thy brother about my fiance. So who cares? So he does it. So um, the marriage is between him and her, not them. So he also says that he was. Waiting for her to get to Israel, you know, before he said anything about it, because kind of similar to the, the um, what you were saying about Violet. I want to make sure you were going to be here before I went through a whole thing. So right. anyway, they're back in the hotel room later after a long, tiring day walking around town. So Misha says she doesn't want to rehash the tough parts of a day, but she kind of wants to rehash the tough parts of a day. So she tells them that she's still struggling, like after a whole day of processing it about how he didn't say anything to his family about her, um, especially the parts, you know, kind of hiding the parts um, from people that he might find embarrassing. And then he is confused or at least acts confused because he's like embarrassed. Who said anything about embarrassed? You said embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Why do you keep talking about embarrassed? This is weird. <laughs> so she thinks he's she he thinks that seems to think that she's just inventing drama to get mad at and tells her she should go to sleep. She asks if he's done with this conversation and he says, well, yeah, yeah, I pretty much am. So he tells her that he knows she wants to talk about it, but she talks too much. And this was a direct quote. She's more cute when she's mute. So she actually was really cool there about not taking the bait and is just like, you're trying to deflect. You're trying to get me mad. So I talk about something else, but I still want to talk about this family thing. So he doesn't seem to. He doesn't even understand what the issue is, and he's getting very annoyed that she keeps bringing it up, but she blames his inexperience with relationships. That, yeah, things tend to come up when you actually don't resolve them. They keep coming back up. That's why you have to resolve them, and that's how relationships work. So eventually, though, even she gets too tired, like literally tired, um, for eyes falling, closing of the conversation, and they leave things there. So – I don't know. Can you make heads of tails based on what my I said about 
what his thought process was because he didn't make any sense to me at all. No, it just sounds like he's really <laughs> immature and uh, I just foresee there being huge issues because she seems to have a lot of experience with relationships. And I don't even mean physically. I mean, just like oh, right. dealing with another person, having to consider mm-hmm. someone else's thoughts and feelings, you know, being yes. able to communicate what you want and to be able to compromise. And it sounds like this guy has zero experience None. with any of that. Yeah. So I just foresee this as being like she is just too emotionally mature for him where she's just going to be like i cannot deal with this person you know i think there is some amount of coaching that's going to happen at the beginning but i also think like from his side that there's going to be a stubbornness um about like he knows better um because Mm -hmm. even if we think about like how their relationship got started it's almost like he's in a weird position of like uh, i don't want to say authority but somehow superior than her because of his uh you know because of his superior biblical knowledge knowledge yeah right and so he's the expert right and so like that he kind of has that over her in a way and i think it fits in with kind of a traditional patriarchal you know, mm-hmm. culture and to go from that mindset and that context to know my partner actually has to help coach me through these communication and relationship things. I just, I think that part is going to spell disaster for them. Yeah. I don't, he's not a very coachable person is the problem. Like, cause right. and right. kind of the things that you, things you didn't see, you're not wrong because a lot of the time she was like, and she seems to be trying to be very um, cognizant of the fact that he doesn't know of his kind mm-hmm. of relationship stuff. And she like even says like point blank to him things like, I know you don't understand why this is a big deal to me, but this is a big deal to me. So we yeah. have to talk about it. Right. <laughs> like, And he's right, like, right. that's dumb. Why would we do that? It's not a big deal. And she's like, yeah, I know you don't think that. <laughs> right. And she's <laughs> trying to be as patient as she can, but he's. He's just like, but I'm right. And so like, uh, why would we? And he, so every, every time, like, and not just, and, and he's pretty mean spirited about it. Like he laughs after everything he says, but it's like, Mm. just because you went ha ha at the end doesn't mean that wasn't really hard. Like you're, 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 you know, cuter when you're mute is like, that's not funny. Like just because you laughed at the end right. of it doesn't make it funny. And like that, just like, what do you say? Embarrassed. I wasn't embarrassed. It's, like, it's, you know, little semantic games that are a little bit on a translation issue, but more on the fact that he's just like, Oh, this is annoying that we have to talk about your boring yeah. shit. Uh, we should talk about God. Well, I mean, that's like lesson one, right? Don't be dismissive of your partner. Yes. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's like – and then dismissive and then it, we talk about resentment and get to, getting to the point where you're resentful that she just doesn't drop it when you say drop it, right? And that's not yeah. – that's literally – I am – not only am I dismissive of you, but I'm upset that you don't bend your feelings and just drop things you care about over me. I just – I demand that you dismiss it as well. Like, And I am right, getting annoyed right. that you won't. 
And so I, 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 this does seem like a relationship that's heading for disaster based on this large, large, large um, gap in, in experience. Yeah, absolutely. So ugh, I'm already seeing cracks. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I think I was actually very impressed by her restraint and her um, and her patience, like because I definitely think he threw some things in there in the conversation that was like, oh, let me derail this conversation so that you'll yell at me about this instead. And that way, the issue that she's bringing <laughs> up that I don't want to talk about, we don't have to talk about. Right. And, and which is a very emotionally immature thing to do in a conversation. <laughs> right. Oh, that is, sure. That is kind of some high schooler bullshit. And like, but that's still what he tried. But she saw like she saw right through it. Yeah. Well, I think also, too, it helps that she kind of has that, um, you know, uh, media background. Oh, right? yeah, for so sure. So I kind of yeah. feel like she's she's going to be very good at maintaining her composure in front of the camera and being able to have a more controlled reaction. Like this is not the type of person like I would identify cast members. This is the least likely cast member to fly off the handle and, you know, kind of make a scene, lose their shit on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're right. Cause she has a background in not just the journalism. Right. So I'm sure there's right. training when you do journalism that goes into, how not to take the bait with your interview subject because they're going to try to derail the conversation and keep you from getting like what getting what you really want to know out of their conversation. Like, and yeah, so that's, that's, that's a good point. All right. So moving on, let's talk about other uh, emotionally differently developed uh, relationship. And that's with Amanda and Rosman. So it's the ride home from the park after last week. And Amanda is still like, pre-upset about Rosvin making this music video that he hasn't made yet, but would involve, you know, stage kissing another woman. So she says, <laughs> she says out loud to an interview at this point that Rosvin has not very been very considerate of her on this trip so far. So right now she's upset that she, that he's been what she calls dismissive over her concerns. And she really feels like she hasn't been heard. So she doesn't like that he made the call to the producer and spoke Romanian in front of her, I guess. But she seems to think that he's playing some kind of game. Like, but he sees it as a, and he says a test of sorts, but which sounds bad, but then he clarifies what he means. Basically, he's like, if what I do for a living is going to cause this relationship to fail and it's going to cause a jealous reaction and you're not going to be able to handle it, it's better that we know that now then like have you bottle it up hmm. and everything blew, everything falls apart later right which yeah. it seems like what happened to his first marriage is and he says that you know he, they had a toxic relationship and eventually she bottled all that kind of stuff up and then she couldn't take it anymore and everything just exploded so explaining this brings him to tears actually and that seems to get Amanda to back off at least a little bit. She doesn't do the classic thing where, oh, he cries because he cares. But more, she was kind of taken aback being like, it seemed to me, she didn't say it, but it seemed to me she was was taken aback because she was like, oh, like he actually has emotional investment in something. He's not just a fuckboy. Like this is not fuckboy behavior, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So anyway, 
So he talks he talks to us about his toxic relationship with his ex-wife, which ended, ended so badly. He said they were married for six months and afterwards he couldn't date anyone for two years. So her oh, empathy, gosh. though, only seems to last for so long. And then she starts talking about how he doesn't listen to her feelings. But he's pretty good. Like, I'm I'm surprised that the it's the level of emotional maturity that this guy says when he's talking through conversations, because he again doesn't like he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't start saying, well, you what if what about you? He just says, well, you know, it's tough to listen to your feelings when it feels like you're disconnected from me. Right. And you're not really here fully present. So in an interview, mm-hmm. she says that maybe she's been a little bit hard on him so far and she's been putting the expectations yeah. for this, this relationship too high, which means that like it's just a weird, awkward conversation, you know, thing for everybody. Nobody can be relaxed and open up in this relationship. So I don't know. I just I I feel like. She kind of ended, you know, oh, she's starting to get it. I think she might be getting it, but. I could see it going and maybe I'll get your opinion with you. You will. I think it's just going to go completely backwards. She's going to backtrack next, next week and not, not learn the lessons that she learned this time and keep them. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to say because I think a lot of it is really subconscious, right? I don't Mm -hmm. think she came into this thinking like, I'm going to sabotage this because I'm really not ready. I think it's something that it's like the thought of, maybe I'm not ready. That might be more of a conscious level. But I think like the whole sabotaging, what she's been doing so far has been more subconscious. So I mm-hmm. think she is going to start reconciling like, oh, well, I've been really hard on him. Is it because I'm not ready? I think that right could be moving in a more positive direction. But do I think her actions are going to all of a sudden do a 180? And then no, I don't think so. Because I think she, those feelings, those underlying feelings of I'm not actually ready, they're still there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it is going to be really difficult for her to treat him better until she feels like, you know, it's either not serious, you know? And right. Because I think that's the other thing is like, this seems very high stakes. I feel like she mm-hmm. would be, and I don't think it's really, she's not really in a situation where she can consider this but if she was in more of a low stake situation, I feel like she would just treat him better in general. Yes. No, I do. I, and I think because in the kind of way she said it, she's going on this trip to be like, I'm auditioning you for the role of dad. Like you have to be yeah, exactly. my sole partner and a father to my children. And so that is. Yeah. And she's putting that on them. Yes, yeah, yeah. she is 100% yeah. doing that. He is not saying, I want to be a father to your children. This is what we should be deciding yeah, he's now. he's like, right? I want to be the friend of your children. Yeah. Right. Which, yeah, I mean, different different opinions on different things. I think it's, you know, that's a right. fine role for his – because at I the end of the day, unrealistic. he'd be a step-parent. Yeah. Like, he's not right. – you're not right. my real dad, right? And so, yeah. I think that's where yeah. it comes from is she's been doing that and, and I think she – finally may have at least cracked the idea of it like he's a person and not an object that she can just wave and be like wait is this a dad let me wave this in front of my my let me put this in front of my face and in front of my kids and see how this person this piece fits into our puzzle right and not thinking like oh wow he actually has thoughts and feelings as well like 
you know, and, and that's when he started crying and he can be emotionally hurt. Like he has things of his own. Like it's, this isn't just all about me, right? Which I think this is literally the first time in the relationship that that has come up. Right. And I do find her very frustrating in that is she's so self-absorbed, right? She's thinking mm-hmm. about how this person's going to fit in her life, how this person's going to be a father to her children, how she has so much to lose from this. And she has like made no evidence of consideration of how this affects him. Mm-hmm. She's just like, Absolutely yeah, not. whatever, like, yeah. No, and she, I think this, so unfair. This is, it has been. It's This whole thing has not been like, well, let's see how we do together. Let's see if this is a relationship. It's been like, no, how does he fit into my life? Like- and yeah. like as as if I would say as if she's the prize in the relationship, but kind of as if she's the prize in the relationship that he needs to win over. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is where that she's which is where that treating it like that. Where that's where the kind of from last week. Well, you just make your decision because you know how I feel, and you know that's where we'll sit instead of just working with him and talking to him. And mm-hmm. yeah, and, and that that's pretty much that's pretty much it. And it's the first time. That she saw him vulnerable, whereas she's thought of her as the only vulnerable person here. Right, right, exactly. All right, so next up, let's talk David and Sheila. So we're still doing that sound effect thing when they drop the sound. It happened twice this episode. I'm going to keep track of that. But this time, it's while David is in the cab. So he's in the cab. Remember, he 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 got to the Philippines last time. He's in the cab um, going to back to her place and he says things look very different here than they do in the U.S., um, you know, with the traffic and the motorbikes and, you know, the crazy weaving in and out things. He's just like very stressful. But Sheila brings him peace and his feelings for her now are stronger now that they've met in person. So they stop at a place to get some food and communication immediately becomes an issue. So it's, you know – a place with a counter and, you know, the pictures of the plates of the food above the counter and you point to the one you want. Like, I want that one. Right. But she's really short, which seems like it would not be an issue for communication, but she's really short and she literally has to step up onto the counter to point and be like, do you want this one? Do you mm-hmm. want this one? It's pretty awkward. The, and the workers are a little weirded out that someone stepped on the food counter. But David said that this restaurant is also a little bit different than what he's used to in the U.S. Because if he went to an American restaurant that was in this condition in terms of, you know, how nice the facility was, how clean the facility was, he'd leave. But he wants to keep an open mind because, you know, it's a different culture and also he's hungry. So things get even worse, though, because he has to pee and the worker, even with the key, can't get the door to the bathroom open. Um, and they're like, oh, sorry, goodness. bud, can't do it. Um, so then they, she, so Sheila just takes him outside around the back and he like pees behind the store, like a dumpster <laughs> in the store, <laughs> like, oh, which they goodness. weirdly film like all of. So then we get back inside uh, and she thinks he's, she thinks he's mad. She's like, are you mad? Because he put his coat down more aggressively than she would have wanted. And he's like, no, I just, just, just put my coat down. So while she's struggling with the communication protocol for this relationship, she's like, when do I try to sign? When do I text? And she's hoping this is just like something that's just going to become more easy and natural over time. So next we see them checking into the hotel. So it's been a really long day and David is tired. 
And he says that communication in person has been a bit more difficult than it was when they were online, but he's very excited to spend the night with her. Like, he's very excited to spend the night with her. So they come in and there's two twin beds. So the first order of business is to push the beds together. And when they do that, killing the bugs that crawl out from under the beds, because David said he was fooled by the, uh, what he called fake advertising on the website for the hotel and thought the hotel was going to be a lot nicer than this. So they go to eat the food that they brought from, bought from the restaurant and she immediately notices that David is a very loud chewer. So she suspects, suspects it's because he's never been able to hear himself chew. So sure. that's just what it is, right? So she says, you know, but she thinks it won't be that big of a deal. She'll get over it. But after the food, it's time for the bed and, you know, then talking about like, what are you guys going to do tonight? So she doesn't know what to expect because she's never been with a deaf person before and she doesn't know if it's going to be weird, if it's going to make a difference or anything. So she changes into something a little bit more comfortable, which is a tank top and jean shorts because she's going to sleep okay. in jean shorts, like in cutoffs. I was <laughs> okay. like, that seems uncomfortable. Right. Maybe those are the only shorts she has. I don't know. Maybe, but I'm like, man, that that's... That's a choice. So yeah. they start to cuddle and yeah. kiss, and he knows that he should probably take a shower, but he more or less seems like, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I can, I can do a shower later. And then we cut off from them. So this is another one where we feel like we get stuck talking about the communication um, later, but I was like, um, is it going to be – I mean, do we think she's the, – the stuff that she's doing now, climbing on the counter to point to the menu, right? Um listening to him chew really loud. Is that stuff that is a honeymoon phase stuff that's going to end up kind of getting in the way of a relationship? Or is it stuff that you really think she can just get like used to? I don't know. I think it kind of depends on her general temperament, right? I feel Mm -hmm. like for me personally, those are things that I, I I feel like I have a very low threshold for things that annoy me. Oh, plenty of things that annoy me. And I accept that, right? I just Mm -hmm. accept that I have to go through life being annoyed by other people because I personally have a low threshold for annoyance. So for me, it's like, yeah, those things would annoy me as well. But they wouldn't necessarily be deal breakers because if if those were my deal breakers, I would literally not have any friends, not be able to handle the presence and company of anyone. Right? Mm -hmm. So – it's just one of those things. If she has a very high threshold for annoyance and these are the things she finds annoying, then yeah, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I, it's funny because I think, I think part of this is a little bit on production because, you know, I think production is like, yeah, but what don't you like? What have you noticed? It's not ideal so far. And he, she, she mm-hmm. might just be like, well, choose loud, I guess. Like that makes sense, but okay. Right. And they're, and they're like, yeah. aha, found it. That's our clip. Got it. Right. So but it, I could also not. see that as being like more along the lines of deal breaking because it's like once you start to get into like kind of the physical aspects of things that annoy you about a person, um, mm-hmm. that's when it becomes more of like a physical turnoff. Right. If sure. you're like thinking about this person chewing while they're making out with you, it's like, oh, You know, and if you're thinking about like the fact that he didn't shower and he probably should have. And so maybe like she's like, oh, he smells like body odor. Those are the things that are going to be like physical turnoffs. And if that's like a focus of their relationship, this is a problem. 
Right. I mean, I think the shower thing definitely did not bother her because he was the one that was like, well, I haven't showered at all, but like she seems ready to go. So I think I'll just do that later. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, I mean, definitely between these two among, I would say most of the couples that we've seen, these ones definitely have seen the most like, oh, dude, we are banging tonight. Like this is happening, right? Like, yeah. Immediately, right? Right, right. And, like and, no hesitation, right? Yes. Both of them are like, yep, this is what we're doing tonight. I am into it. Let's go. And and that's yeah. a, a good sign. It just, and I think part of it is just like right now, the communication part and like even things like ordering dinner and checking into the hotel. Because I also get the impression mm-hmm. that communication is, you know, in the Philippines, it's a step harder than it was in the US even because he, you know. Doesn't you know? Doesn't speak Tagalog. Maybe there's a language barrier, and so. But it's one of those things that it can't get worse, right? The the worst right. case scenario no, for communication is that it's. St- I wouldn't say only get better because we've seen Paul and Karini. So worst case scenario oh, is it stays. <laughs> it stays the same forever, right? Which yeah. you know, for most people, it would not stay the same forever. It would get better, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. We I think we covered everybody today. So we still got a couple more. Um, or do we just have one more? Oh yeah, a couple more. Jasmine let's, Gino. Yeah, let's talk Jasmine Gino first. All right. So we start with okay. Gino at the bar, and he happens to find a bar t- not happens. He finds a bartender that speaks English, mainly because production had to find somebody for him to talk to. So he thinks that oh, he thinks he seems to think that all the things that have gone poorly so far are Jasmine's fault, but he's still not sure where their relationship stands right now. He awkwardly talks to the bartender about the prenup at the fight, and it all seems to be very forced. But the bartender says she he gets why she's upset, because she says in their culture, prenups are very rare, and it makes it seem like you kind of have one foot out of the relationship already. Like, you know, like, so if I decided I wanted to leave you, um, how would we deal with that is not a good way to go into a marriage, basically. So Gino right. says to us that this prenup doesn't mean that at all. Like it's just – and he just – and it doesn't mean that he doesn't trust her. He just – and he hopes that, that with time, he'll get her to understand that. So Jasmine, on the other hand, is out with her sister Liz. So she explains how she got screwed over by her first husband when they got divorced. And the prenup makes it seem like Gino is just setting her up for more of the same should she ever want to leave him. So Liz isn't sure that Gino even, even actually loves Jasmine which I kind of agree with Liz. And this conversation yeah. that they're having right now is not helping the case that he does. So it's bringing Jasmine to tears. She starts crying. I mean, and you know, Jasmine crying, not like, you know, barely holding back with like the tears coming down, just the Jasmine ugly face crying. So she right. says it just goes to show that he doesn't trust her and he doesn't want to protect her. And that's basically all she wants from a man is for someone that trusts her and protects her. So Liz is like, hmm, maybe she just move on. But Jasmine says she's too afraid to let go. It's not like she can just – and she literally says something like this. It's not like she can just push a button on a machine and get somebody as good as Gino, which – Eh, I think you could. I think you can. I, you, you can push a button on a machine and a Coca-Cola comes out, right? That's – Yeah, that's better than Gino. <laughs> right? <laughs> so – she seems to think that, that she seems to have some very, very deep-seated fears of abandonment that she still hasn't dealt with. But she keeps saying she still wants to marry this guy. 
So after their separate conversations, Jasmine comes back to the apartment and seeing that Gino is still gone, texted him and then leaves to try to listen to try to have a conversation with him where she's going to listen without yelling. So what she wants from him is to be treated like the most important person in his life. So he, going back to him before this conversation, says he doesn't want to lose her, but, you know, needs to stand up for himself by having difficult conversations. So he gets to the restaurant first and she kind of comes in and sneaks up behind him. And he's like, oh, oh, God, you're here. Oh, hi. And she started the conversation by apologizing for the hurtful things she said, you know, about bad sexual person and my ex is better and things like that. So she says she loves him, but she doesn't want to lose him over money. So before she gets into her spiel, he says, you know, he put some time and thought into it. And just we see him like nervously shaking, like also, you know, jiggling his feet and stuff. And he says that. He's thinking about getting rid of the prenup because he doesn't want to lose her over it. So he decided after talking to the bartender, he says that this was primarily just a cultural misunderstanding. And if being with the love of his life requires giving up the prenup, then that's what he's willing to do. But he says it isn't the only thing they need to work on. Like she needs to work on saying not not saying hurtful things when she's upset. So Jasmine tells him he needs to work on making her feel like the most important person in his life. So she's thankful this time that she let him talk first because she tells us off camera that she was going to tell him she was willing to sign the prenup if he insisted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she then brings up a document that she wants drawn up, a will that guarantees that she'll basically get his money if he dies. So for him, he thinks this comes out of nowhere. Like, what's the problem? You'll be with my family if things go wrong. And Oh, God, no. Not good enough for her because she's like, yeah, but your family hates me. So why would yeah. that be protection? He's like, oh, no, that's fine. No, yeah, it would be fine. He, she says the only kind of protection that she want comes from like the will. So I think this is a little bit – I don't know. I feel like this is kind of backwards to me. Like isn't it pretty much understood by most people that especially well, – I wouldn't say nobody, especially if it's someone who doesn't have like children or anything that – if you die, your spouse gets everything. Isn't that pretty normal? It seems like weird that he's turned off by it. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical, right? Because you're thinking about your immediate family and your immediate family is typically your lawful partner, right? Right. And then any children that you might have, like that's your immediate family. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about, I guess if you're more younger, I guess you would think about like you, your parents as being your immediate family and possibly right. siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's something that's, I don't know, it just seems weird to me because right now, I mean, I have a, I have a living will right now, um, which is because you mm-hmm. should when you have children because it's important that they get, yeah. you make sure they can be taken care of in, in, in case anything happens. But yeah, literally everything in the living will is about like, all right, well, these are the things that have to happen with my money to take care of my children, Right. And if right, I didn't have right. children, I wouldn't care. Like, I really wouldn't care yeah. what happened to my money after I died if I didn't have children. Like, it would not matter to me at all. Right. Like, it's just that those you're are the not people, around. Why would you care? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not there. I don't care. And so, because yeah. I think, and I also think it's a little weird because it's one of those things where I think a lot of time with the prenups, right? And we've talked about this a lot. They're they're just more or less writing a contract that the that does what the law already would have done, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and they do follow the law. And the, probably the most important part of the prenup is the 
financial like disclosure stuff. So you basically have a signed document before you got married of what you each had going into the marriage. Right. And so mm-hmm. that way that's when you, when you get divorced, you don't have to argue about what did you have before we got married? Cause you literally signed what you had beforehand. Right. And right. 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 And that's probably the most important part of the prenup, which makes it sound like not as big of a deal if you, and I don't want to know why everybody doesn't phrase it like that, but you know, but yeah. Um, but the living will is definitely – I'm almost certain most states have a law. If you die without one, your spouse just gets everything. Like that's like automatic. Right. That's why you – that's why we have like marriages and stuff. And so it's it, – the implication to me is that he has one that says otherwise and doesn't want to change it. And that seems unusual, let's say. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he's a little bit older, so that's possible. Um, but she's the one who's kind of coming at it like, you know, she wanted the will. So I think right, that right. also could just be, you know, difference of law in Panama versus law sure. in Michigan. Oh, it right? could be. It so could if be. she doesn't know that this is like typical, then yeah, she's going to demand that because, you know, she wouldn't have gotten that. If she was in Yeah, panel. I mean, it was right. It was weird the way. Different. Yeah, it was weird the way they, they he framed it because he was like, when she said that, he was like, "What do you have to worry about? My family will take care of you." Like, as in, and it sounded Gosh. like my family's getting the money and they'll use it to take care of you because that's the right thing to do. And it was like, and I'm um, I'm with her. I was like, Gino, have you listened to your family talk about her? Like, they think she's a gold digger. They're not going to give her money, dude. Right. Right. And then also, if she's going to get in the end, why are you even creating a middleman? That doesn't make right. any sense. Yeah. And he just hmm, because he has this weird thing. And this is one of the one of the aspects of Gino I never really thought about before that. I mean, Gino is a terrible person on many, many levels. And one of them is kind of this like he doesn't want to give her money. He wants to take care of her. Right. He wants to buy the things for her. he wants to use money to control her. Yeah, which is – that's what I mean. I was like he can't just – he doesn't want her to have money. He wants her to have to rely on him for the things she needs. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that is one step. He's not not going to say, oh, here's money. Go find an apartment. He's going to be like, find an apartment and I'll send him the rent. Right. Right. That that kind of stuff, and that is a yes. And I think that I think that's maybe what it is. He wants to use money to control her, and now his reluctance to sign the will kind of says, "And I want that to continue after I die. <laughs> I want I my family to be able to that's control so you awful. with the money." Yeah, yeah. All right. So moving on. Last couple we saw, we did also see from um, Christian and Cleo. So Christian is leaving in a couple days for London, and Cleo. Today is having uh, – London and Cleo, sorry. And today he's having breakfast with some friends. So his friend is Tom, who is he, he's known for 10 years or so. And they have a long history of being into a lot of the same things, which is kind of a lame list of things. He's like hot rods, leather jackets. Like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, but some of the things they've been into are the same women because they've dated many of the same women. But not Tom's God, current partner, weird. Jana. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, but anyway – He's having a whiskey with dinner because he's hungover, and even and he's at he's doing that old person thing, which I definitely had this weekend, where you're like, "Why am I this hungover? I didn't drink that much. This is not fair." 
Like I stopped to slow down so that this wouldn't happen and it still did. I hate it. So um so anyway, um Jamie is Jamie Jana, the the Tom's wife, is skeptical or partner, I guess. We don't know what the relationship is, is skeptical about Cleo's this Cleo relationship because Tom, because Christian has not really had a relationship this long before, and so she's like, I don't know that this works for you. So during the conversation, Christian tells them that his family knows that Cleo is trans, which they just kind of recently found out about because it was like one of these, I told my brother and once you tell your brother, you told you told the whole family things. Um, they got a, yeah. that kind of family that snitches on each other. So anyway, it got a very, let's say, varied reaction. He says some of the reactions were from skeptic, went from skeptical to openly antagonistic. So he says that his, he's close to his family, but this has kind of caused a rift between the, between him and his family. And they said some very nasty things that he found pretty hurtful. So Tom isn't surprised by the reaction because um, he stereotypes older people as, you know, having more stereotypes. He was like, well, you know, of course, old people wouldn't like trans people. They're old and don't aren't accepting of things and are bigoted. And it's like, well, I don't know. That, I, I find it ironic that he like prejudiced a group to prejudice for prejudicing a group. So the implication of how Christian speaks about it. So Christian comes, he says kind of in the breakfast, more or less, if it it comes down between Cleo and his family, he'll probably choose Cleo. Heavy emphasis on the probably. Emphasis, I mean. So then to signify we're switched over to England, we get shots of Union Jacks, like some old buildings, and of course, corgis, because that's what England is now. So we're here with Cleo and, (laughs) and... Christian will be here, she says, within 24 hours. So Cleo is moving her cats into the Airbnb that Christian got so that they wouldn't have to deal with her roommate and probably production not have to deal with the roommate more so that the roommate wouldn't have to deal with them. But Cleo doesn't go anywhere without her cats. So, you know, she gets them out and gets them used to the space beforehand. And she hopes that Christian better get along with them. So she's nervous because... He was open with her about his family's reaction and she thinks that can totally impact the relationship. So she she even says that Christian's kind of already changing his tune that he said before at the airport, they would be all hugs and kisses. And now he says, maybe we shouldn't kiss right away at the airport in public. I don't know. So, so weird thing to say. Yeah, it's yeah. So. She's worried that he's not going to be strong enough to like stand up for them in their relationship when the push comes to shove. So we flip back again to Christian, who's having some mixed emotions before going to the airport. He's excited to meet Cleo finally, but he's still having feelings about how his family took things. So he says he's excited to hug and kiss her, but says kind of changes his. He said he frames it a little bit differently than she did, and that like he was like, I don't know, I'm not gonna we've talked and, you know, we have a deep connection and everything, but it feels a bit to him like making out with a blind date. As soon as you get there, like you wouldn't do that. That'd be weird and gross. But anyway, so he admits that his family is getting to him. So Tom, who's driving to the airport, doesn't know because, you know, it's not like, I don't know. He he just doesn't know. So they, che- they check in at the airport and I don't know, it, it, it Christian just seems way less confident than than he was before. So, I mean, in this case, I would definitely say Christian is shook, right? And yeah, do you think that kind of already spells doom for the relationship? 
Yeah, I already think he's like kind of trying to back out of things already. Um, yeah. He's trying to back out by kind of preemptively like, oh, well, let's not kiss in public, like already pumping the brakes. And I disagree with his analogy. It's like a blind date because in a blind date, you've never talked to this person before. They've had a online relationship for how long? So he has talked to this person before. He knows them more than you would know someone on a blind date. Blind date is literally someone you just met. So right. I, I just right. – I don't see that analogy. I think there is more of a reason to hug and kiss. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean to me make out like have sex at the airport. Like no one said that, you know. But it's yeah. like you're even saying that like hugs and kisses might be out. Like I just feel like he's setting the scene for a quick exit. Well, I think it's especially – I think it's especially dumb to group hugs into that because like yeah. a hug a lot of people like a hug isn't even romantic, man. Like that's just like right, right. you you are someone who means something to me. So I will give you a hug. It, not even that all the time. Yeah, I I've, I definitely got roped into hugging like people I just like met with a hug like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Hug like that happens. Yeah, because like, they're a hugger. Right? But, you know, they're like, I'm a hugger. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah. hi, we're hugging now. Sure. <laughs> exactly. I've never heard of you before. And now our bodies are touching. Yes. Um, and and that's fine. But it's it's weird to be like to kind of group that into. Like sex, like hugs are hugs are physical. They're not sexual. Right. Right. At least right. at least that's the way at least that's the way I see them. I hope people haven't been taking it the other way because I would hate all those people who I was <laughs> sure. hugging to think it was a sexual thing. But like and and so to group hugs into it and like you're talking about airport hugs and kisses like you're um, we're not we don't have to go all Jasmine. There doesn't have to be a tongue down anybody's throat like we're talking about like a peck and like, yes, if you're not willing to hug and peck someone that you've been talking about as your soulmate for right. months or years then yeah that's that's a huge red flag right and they're supposed to be before the 90 days too so it's like these are people who have at least considered marriage and so right. it's like you're supposed to go from oh yeah like i'm considering you for marriage as to oh someone i barely know like blind date material right i mean when we have seen that and i you know, kind of in the past of people who barely knew each other that were doing before the 90 days. And it was like, you know, different. But I also think a lot of those people tended to be and, and it usually gets awkward because usually of those people, one person is like, well, I'm going to see if I'm going to find my soulmate. And the other person is like, oh, man, this girl from America is coming to bang me for a week. Isn't that awesome? And they're like, this is not this does not match up. Right. Um but so I, I don't know. It just I, I at least appreciate that Cleo for and it's funny that this has happened because the other thing, you know, we didn't mention we didn't talk about this time is Cleo's autism is like, yeah, I feel like she's more in tune with the little signals and stuff like that because she's always had to pay attention, like actually actively pay attention for, oh, no, they didn't say this thing. That's a bad sign. Right. And not just kind of like, I get a vibe right. or a feeling, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like she's definitely picking up on it. Isn't it also the case that she uh, might not be into like hugs and kisses? Like, why is he assuming and setting the tone, you know, and like almost it, it, to me, it just almost seems like a rejection. 
Oh, it absolutely does. Like, and it was, I don't know if she's how much she is into it or not. I mean, she seems to be like, at least, you know, and this again goes with the autism, like the cultural norm and expectation when you're meeting your lover at the airport is to give them hugs and kisses. Right. And so the Mm -hmm. fact that he's kind of backing off of that, whether I want it or not, is like he, and especially because he once did say he wanted to do that and is now not saying he wanted to do that after his family shit all over me is a bad sign. Yes, definitely a bad sign. So I don't know. It just <laughs> seems like just an opportunity to reject someone before it just, it just yeah. seems pointless. Well, in this way, I, I yeah, I, I, I also am a little bit worried. He's trying to find a way to preemptively get things in the way so he can, he can be like, well, it wasn't because she was trans. That had nothing to do with it. We just weren't a good match for these other reasons, right. you know? Yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's a little concerning. But what's more concerning is that to me is a couple things. One, there's another new couple on this show next week. That was on the next oh time on. We've covered everybody. I was going to say, and this is already like, this is already yeah. super long. It's already too many people. We have one, one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. So we're going to have eight couples on this show. And what bothers me even more is that on Monday night now, there's going to be a, a The Other Way episode. Like oh, starting on um, one week from, t- from, from today. I don't know. This is a lot of content. <laughs> like it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like they could just spread it out a little bit. Well, I just also when I'm watching this, I'm still always on the train of this show would be so much better if it was an hour long. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like Love After Lockup. Even Love After Lockup when they started doing episodes like half. an hour and a yeah. half. It's just like, ooh, you're just like, when is this over? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Especially with the commercials. All right. So – that brings us, that was everybody we covered this time. And so um, we will talk about our students of the week. So my student of the week this time, I'm going to give it to, um, <laughs> I guess I will give it to David for being a good sport and peeing behind the building. <laughs> and like not without complaining. Without complaining. Like he was swatting flies in the, in the, um, in the, in the, the place that was delivering the food. They were like trying to open the bathroom door with the gloves on that they were serving the food with. And it was like, you're not what, uh, but you know, he made it there. He did. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I went with Misha. Um, it sounds like she's trying to be patient Mm -hmm. and communicate with him and, I mean, it's not really her fault that he is unreceptive and uncommunicative, but she's trying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, class dunces, my class dunce, I went with Tyree. Just this is this is mm. this is silly because it, it I did. I too. feel like it started off with it started off the, the deeper and deeper this goes, the more it transitions from, you know, oh, he's just in denial to, oh, this is just sad into this is infuriatingly frustrating that he's still sticking with this and doing these elaborate yeah. conspiracy theories. Like it's, it, it's, I don't it's, it's not even sad anymore. It's just like, dude, come on now. Like I felt bad for you, but yeah. seriously, oh, I don't feel bad for him at all. No, I don't feel bad for him because it's like willful ignorance at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
All right. All right so, uh, what about your life lesson? So my life lesson, I, I already said it, but I was just like, man, let's – when someone visits your country – Make sure you pick something that's culturally sensitive to show you to show them as some of the landmarks, <laughs> and not like, like, like let's take my German people, let's take my German friends to the World War II memorial. Isn't this great? Look at all these battles we beat you in. Like that's why would I do that? I wouldn't do that unless they had specifically yeah. asked to see it, right? So that goes to Violet taking um, you know Riley to the thing. I was like, really? that's let's you know think a little bit about the past and about the person and where they're coming from and what. What they might, you know, what might not be the highlights of the tour for them. <laughs> right. I don't know if this is an increasing problem with present times, but I would say that my life lesson has to do with if someone asks you a question, you can't just ignore it. And I am uh, just so shocked at how we're like increasingly getting to a time where I don't even want to say it's a generational thing, but it's just like becoming more of like an accepted thing where it's like someone doesn't want to answer your questions. They just won't. Which I get yeah. over text message. And it's not even like I understand it over text message. It's more like I, it's less rude over text message, right? But like when you're to your face and you're just right. going to like yeah. not answer, like that's just ridiculous. Yeah. You have to have some kind of acknowledgement of like listening. And then just if you want to say like, I can't answer that at the moment, but just at least acknowledge the person's asking you something. That's true. That's true. Because text message people pull the, ah, oh, I didn't see that one. I'm sorry. Like it must have right, been a bunch of text right. messages in a row. Like it must have just got buried in the list. I don't know. Yeah. But like, yes, it it is like a wild – I think you're kind of right. It's more worse in present times that people just mm-hmm. like either completely ignore what you said to them or completely ignore that you're speaking to them. Right? Yeah. And it's just yeah. – it's, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. It's so weird. All right. So uh, we will be back again next week. Yep. Yeah. So we'll figure out, have to figure out what to do about this, um, the other way thing. So I guess next, next Monday though, the show won't have aired though when we record this. So we'll be back with just, um, with just talking about, uh, before the 90 days. Yeah. And then we'll kind of figure out what we're doing with the other one. If we're going to cover it at all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's we'll have to figure out. We may not cover it just because it's on Monday nights and that's a lot. Like it really is. Yeah. It is. Okay. So until then. All right. Talk to everybody then. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.